Welcome to this Business Travel News podcast. I'm Andy Hoskins and I'm editor of BTN Europe. Joining me today for the latest episode of our In Conversation With series is Scott Davis, CEO of the UK's Institute of Travel Management, whose membership comprises travel managers, bookers and procurement personnel. Scott, welcome. How are you? Hi, Andy. I'm good. Missing travel as well? I'm missing travel pretty badly, yeah, but it's been a long time now, hasn't it? So we're going to have to get used to a new way of, uh, of getting out and about soon. But yeah, I, I must admit, I can't complain. I know you've been at the ITM a few years now. Just talk us through your career prior to that. I know you've got a pretty rounded uh, background there with airline, TMC and GDS. Is this like, this is your life? Should I start with my um, formative years as a, as a child or should we just go straight for work? Skip straight to work. As much as I'm interested <laughs> in, the, in the years prior to that. That's for another podcast. Fair enough. So, yeah, I, I think my travel career really started at BA. I was at BA uh, sort of 10, 11 years, had a whale of a time there and really had my formative education. I moved on there from Amadeus into technology um, and then Virgin Atlantic um, and HRG. And then uh, here at um, ITM, which is I was a board director beforehand. But when this role came up, it just was something I had to jump at because uh, it's a real privileged kind of role. But, you know, of, I think of all of those roles, the one that I learned the most in in a very compressed period of time was at HRG, because that's when I got really close to working with the buyers and uh, huge respect for what TMCs do, because buyers are a demanding bunch, Andy. And uh, so, yeah, keeping them happy is, uh, is certainly full-time work for TMCs and they do a great job. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask about that. Obviously, no um, particular experience as a travel manager in your background. Uh, but as you say, you've, you've worked with a fair few along the way. And, and, and I assume you've discovered quite a lot more in the last couple of years as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I thought sort of mistakenly that I understood buyers really well in my previous roles, you know, for the airlines and, and what have you. But it was only when I worked for a TMC that you really do... Uh, spend a lot of time alongside your the travel manager, travel buyers. And uh, it was very eye-opening in many ways. And then, you know, moving into this role, of course, that perspective helped. But I've, this is a privileged role, this, this one I'm in, Andy. I'll never forget that because you get to really sit alongside and sometimes even within buyers' organisations. You know, I've sat in meetings with buyers and their teams and understood how they're viewed in their own organisations. And it's pretty eye-opening and different um, and, you know, recommend that if anybody gets the opportunity to take it, because, um, you know, the experience of a buyer is multifaceted and the way that they're viewed by suppliers is often different to the way they're viewed in their own organisations. And, uh, you know, we can we can get into talking about that more. Yeah, obviously, um, quite a journey over the last year. There's no way you'd have been anticipating anything quite like that. What, what's the mood currently among your members? Well, it's funny, just to pick up the position about you know, no one anticipated this. I'm, I'm not any kind of doom monger, Andy, but one of the first things I was trying to do at ITM was kind of shore it up for the long term. So actually, for reasons that now I understand, I was building up um, the, 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 the sort of um, the financial security of the association leading up to this period. And I think in life, I'm, not, I'm a very optimistic person, but I always like to have a plan B available and so we I'm glad we did the things we did and we had really successful period leading up to the pandemic because that enabled us to 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 be in a good position going through but yeah it's been obviously a different year for different people at ITM we were lucky because we immediately had a lot to focus on you know going into the pandemic we have our conference of course in spring and we we pivoted very early to going virtual but you know there are always problems to solve and tackle so even though it's been a strange year of minimal travel volumes, we've been working through lots of complicated issues like Brexit and more recently PSD2, um, and of course the return to travel itself. 
keep us extremely busy and engaged with our buyers. And more recently, of course, you know, we're just spending a lot of our efforts supporting the community themselves. It's been a full on year, that's for sure. Uh, we haven't stopped to take a breath at ITM. And, and obviously, travel managers had that uh, initial sort of response period, which is all hands on deck, and then things quietened down a little bit. What, where are we right now? Is it all about the return to travel? Yeah, you're right. We've gone through the stages, haven't we? It's almost like a, a life cycle of this pandemic, where to start with, our buyers were very busy and engaged with repatriating, bringing back travellers and understanding the very fast moving situations that unfolded. Then that moved on to you know, a period when they were trying to uh, establish what the future would look like. And they were involved in budgeting conversations, which were more finger in the air than usual, no doubt. And then the stage that we're really in now is yet, as you say, Andy, trying to plan the return. And there are still unknowns and there are still things which throw us off course, but certainly plans are being made now to return to travel. I've been lucky recently to talk to a few frequent travellers within some of the organisations that our buyers represent. And uh, many of the business unit leaders, commercial people in organisations now really need to get back to travel. You know, there is a cost to not travelling. And some of these organisations are starting to map that out. It's not going to go back to like it was. I think we, we, we all recognise that. And a lot of uh, uh, people now don't want it to go back to exactly what it was like. But um, certainly there's an appetite to plan for that travel as soon as it's possible. Vaccinations are a key part of that. And of course, we're looking at all of the steps which need to be put in place to make it happen now from potential passport situations to, you know, how borders will open and close and how we communicate with travellers to give them the confidence they're going to need to take those steps. Yeah. And, and I guess the logistical challenge of it all is, is the huge amount of complexity involved now with, with the various protocols and procedures and paperwork that not, not only we need because of COVID, but because of Brexit as well now. I think there's a bit of an irony coming at us, Andy, where the initial return to travel is going to be very um, so labour and people intensive because there's a lot to know, a lot to do, a lot to advise on. So in a time when we've so sadly, you know, lost many people from especially the supplier side of the industry, as travel starts to return, I think those initial trips are going to require a lot of attention and effort and information provision. So I, I think it's something which we're going to we're going to see where, you know, all travel, or almost all travel is offline currently, not booked on a booking tool. And as volumes start to come back, there will become a point when it's going to be quite difficult to manage all this offline travel. So you're going to see this very interesting switchover point when we can start to take bookings online again. And that's, of course, going to help. So the return is going to be both people intensive and it's going to require our technology in the booking interfaces to be extremely smart. That's for sure. Yeah. Would you like to put a guesstimate on when that sort of when that balance is going to tip back towards online booking? Well, most of our buyers talk about uh, a likely start of the return in the third quarter of this year, this calendar year. Um, and yeah, if those volumes start to come back quickly, it's just going to have to be taken online, Andy. There's just no way that it will it will cope otherwise. You know, again, going back to the, my TMC days, that 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 the the requirement of the call centre, the emergency or out of hours service, that's going to be higher than ever. So when travel comes back, I think we're going to need skilled people to handle it. And one of the other challenges as an industry we need to work through is that we need skilled and knowledgeable people. But by definition, no one's very skilled and knowledgeable about the new world that we're facing. So there's going to be a big training requirement and uh, we're going to need some of those people that we lost to come back and help us. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned displacement and redundancies. It's, it's pretty tragic what's happened across the industry. 
but you've mentioned on on several occasions that travel managers haven't themselves haven't been affected to quite the same extent by um, furloughs and redundancies. Is that is that still what you're seeing? Yeah, I think the thing to always remember, we always try to uh, guide uh, people to, you know, we represent the buyer voice. So we often get asked what that buyer voice is. And the, the reality is you can't generalize too much about a buyer organization. Buyers represent companies in all manner of different segments, FMCG, banking, not-for-profit, pharma, wherever you look, they're all going through different uh, business cycles themselves. So, um, of course, it has been uh different in different companies is the best way to look at it. But there was a noticeable um, something that was happening the fourth quarter of last year where some buyer roles were lost, sadly. And some of the bigger organizations where they had a buyer team took the opportunity to restructure at that point. So we did see some roles in the industry um, disappear in the, towards the end of last year. Fortunately, we're not seeing too much more of that now. And I think that is because there is so much work to do to plan now for the return. And we talk a lot about the evolving role of the buyer, Andy. And, you know, of course, um, prior to the pandemic, we were starting to see more and more convergence of meetings and events with the travel functions in organisations. Um, I think that has been catalyzed further by the pandemic because now we're just looking at what, what is travel about? It's because people need to meet. So our travel managers, travel buyers are now got different touch points in their organizations, helping their people to meet each other, their partners and their customers. And that's what it's all about. Are there any other areas that you've seen sort of buyers move into or sort of take responsibility for? It's really interesting that the buyers are interfacing with different stakeholders in their organizations than they were, you know, this time the year before um, through necessity. So, of course, they now work hand in hand with their corporate security team. Um, they are more plugged in in general to their leadership team than they would have been before. We did a survey at the end of last year, Andy, our trending survey, and only 11% of our buyers said that they were feeling less valued than prior to the pandemic within their own business. So the, the remainder were either more or as valued as previously. And that's largely because they've had to have those, those conversations with the senior stakeholders in their business about how to move forward. So, um, of course, they're, they're looking now at not just um, travel, but virtual solutions for meetings, too. So the smartest buyers are now uh, talking to their budget holders about how they can now hold meetings. You know, of course, you can do it in person. Of course, you can do it virtually. Here's some hybrid solutions, too. Um, and it's something else which our buyers reported in that survey, Andy, that internal meetings are going to occur um, less than they did before. We're talking about travel for internal meetings. So prior to the pandemic, our buyers reported that about 40% of their spend was related to internal meetings. And their forecast for this year and beyond is that only 20% of their travel spend will be for internal meetings. Yeah, that's that's certainly what, what we're hearing from various sources, isn't it? I guess that's the easiest spend to cull quite swiftly um, and, and replace with virtual meetings. Agree. And it's, it's a difficult one as well, because, of course, you know, exchanging information and uh, being reported out to can be done virtually. You can't be quite so sure of the engagement of the recipient of that information, but you can deliver it effectively that way. I think what's more difficult with internal meetings, you, you can't embed and maintain a company culture very well over virtual solutions. So it's going to be interesting what kind of internal forums are prioritised by big companies when travel is allowed again. Yeah. I mean, the other big thing that's come into this, talking about your, your survey, I think obviously um, duty of care and safety was the top priority. 
but the most well one of the most interesting things was that sustainable sustainable practice i think moved up from number 10 to number four or something in the list of priorities yeah it, it is i mean not many companies that haven't met their sustainability targets this past year andy as <laughs> certainly as they relate to travel um and you know th- there's always opportunity in every difficult situation and i suppose you know what the last year has at least given us is an array of tools that companies can use to help hit their sustainability targets um so uh, again the survey that i referenced are 96 percent of buyers said that the sustainable practice was a key element in the selection of their suppliers 96 percent and actually we saw again a, a an, an increase in the prioritization of sustainable practice uh, versus prior to the pandemic so you know that isn't going in there and as you correctly said Andy, it moved up six places in the priority list for our corporate buyers uh, which is extremely noticeable and you know uh, the, the thing that i'm always um keen to point out is that prior to covid many companies had uh, aggressive and very significant sustainability targets, which they were struggling to hit. And so, you know, uh, certainly those same companies have now got some new ideas as to how to hit those targets going forward. And those same companies are saying that they do not want to travel at the level they were traveling prior to the pandemic going forward, um, which is, you know, something which we're all gonna have to uh, think about very carefully. Mm, certainly travel has been completely reset, hasn't it? And it's the opportunity now to really address that. Um, I know you said it's it's difficult to generalise for your members, but um, what, what's the feeling about suppliers' efforts on sustainability? Are, are they going far enough? It's, it's such a good question because we talk about it all the time, don't we? But um, very often it's uh, conceptual and theoretical and we're talking about, um, you know, trying to do the right thing. I think we've seen a shift since the start of this year towards much more meaningful and tangible measures by suppliers. And one of the key terms that uh, we'll be talking about a lot at conference is the uh, is science-based targets. So science-based targets are the new uh, is the new buzz phrase in, in in sustainability. And of course, it's all about setting targets which are based in reality and which really mean something on the ground. So um, I think you know, more and more of our buyer organizations are requiring their suppliers to be working towards science-based targets. And some sectors find this more easy to prove than others, but even, you know, the hotel sector, which has found it more difficult to measure its progress on sustainability, is starting to really embrace science-based targets. So I think it's a real uh, one to watch this year, Andy, because we, I think my own personal view is that we're moving from sustainability being a box tick um, criteria to hit within the RFP to something which you really need to walk the walk and show it. Um, and uh, I think um, in, in many sectors, we've seen progress in this area. I think we can talk about the way that airlines have been forced to only fly their most efficient aircraft during the last year. And we're going to see more efficient airlines uh, from a sustainability point of view, at least going forward. Um, there's, this is an exciting area to watch for sure. The other thing that we always say, Andy, is that this is not just about you know, doing the right thing. The boardrooms of these large companies have to be hitting the sustainability goals and we're seeing you know carbon neutral and even carbon negative being a uh, you know an, an ambition for many of these companies because not only will customers choose to buy from somebody else but also the, the the young workforce coming through particularly generation z will not work for these companies unless they are doing the right thing by the planet
yeah certainly um offsetting in alone just doesn't seem to cut it anymore does it we talk a lot about um you know when it comes to sustainability and sustainable targets it's not just about um you know doing good which is what offsetting used to be called it's about doing less bad so you know you want to be doing both at the same time and there are some really clever companies out there now that are helping corporations to um, really accurately measure their emissions and at the point of um, transaction put some measures in place to help offset measure and educate the travelers so you know whereas i think a few years ago many of the large organizations were doing traveler dashboards for their travelers showing how much they were traveling and how they could save money now traveler dashboards tend to be mostly about how they can operate more sustainably mm, yeah okay and and as you said a little while ago going back to hotels that it does seem to be a little bit of a, a black hole at the moment on emissions so i look forward to seeing some progress there some other topics we'll address uh, briefly then uh, brexit obviously um, i think your research showed buyers felt they were broadly prepared for it but until we really get going again do we really know <laughs> But it's it's such a tough one. At the turn of the year, only 55% of buyers said that their programmes were Brexit ready. And exactly to your point, Andy, what some of the uncertainty about being Brexit ready is because with no travel volumes going through, it's pretty hard to tell whether your programme is Brexit ready or not. You've not felt any potential pain that might come. Um, The government's doing more and more work to give our industry the tools to help educate in this area. But there's a lot to be done. If we were to do a straw poll today, Andy, of the big issues that travel managers are are worried about, and this is one of the very biggest issues. There's a lot of concern now about uh, the way that trips to the uh, to the European Union will require a different set of um, sort of steps to be have put in place in order to for, to facilitate that trip. We know that longer business trips are, are much more. Uh, exposed to the changes than shorter business trips but there's certainly a lot to educate people on and uh, we're working very hard on it right now to make sure people have got the right information yeah i mean it's uh, it's added complexity everyone could do that um there's been a lot of uh well a little clamor recently about um pay as you fly with with lufthansa um offering some corporate rates on that basis has there been much chat within itm about that what what have buyers been saying um, candidly, not too much at the moment, Andy, and that's only because I think it's a it's an initiative currently based in the German market. I think we're very interested to see if it could apply over here as well. It's interesting because you know I've worked all those years at, in airlines. I know you know how deeply entrenched some of these airline revenue management models are. So we really do welcome a slightly you know innovative way to 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 handle the way that demand will need to be encouraged in the interim. Uh, as we start this recovery so uh, you know we're extremely favorable to the initiative and um, certainly our partner association VDR in Germany is 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 working hard to uh, to see how that model can work and uh, yeah we'd love to see more of that over here. And with your with your previous airline hats on what, what would your response have been to that question? It's interesting. It's about who bears the risk, isn't it, of of, of travel and of uh, the, you know, the, the revenue risk. And typically, you know, airlines have been rather risk averse organisations when it comes to who's holding the revenue and when. Um, but I think that, you know, to encourage travellers back into the skies and into the hotels and into the business meetings, I think we do need to think about new ways of, uh, of doing that. You know, it's... Um, We welcome any kind of challenge to the status quo on that basis. Compares are going, sorry, fares are going to have to be competitive for travellers to to consider the return. 
and any way that the risk can be at least shared more evenly between the buyer and the supplier uh, is going to be really welcome. Yeah, certainly one to watch, I think. It's going to be interesting. Um, and lastly, because we're fast running out of time, um, ITM have been quite vocal about the uh, PSD2 payment services directed to um, and strong customer authentication. Bit of a mouthful. What, what's, what's the latest on that? Isn't it fun, Andy? What a <laughs> fun topic, just what we needed right now. Um, look, this is a very, very technical area. And the further we get into it, the more technical it gets. Uh, Kerry Douglas in my team is just doing a phenomenal job of coordinating and bringing the right stakeholders, stakeholders together to find solutions. It's fair to say that I think until about a month ago, there were way too many questions and gaps and misunderstandings out there. And I think, you know, in a nutshell, this is a complex area that the end customer's needs need to be fully taken into account if it's going to work. Um, our buyers uh, need this kind of complexity like a hole in the head at the moment, that's for sure, on top of all the other things that we've talked about. But, um, you know, it's the kind of issue that ITM is quite well placed to bring people around the table to help solve. There were some quite frightening misunderstandings out there about it, um, you know, until the people were brought together. And of course, ITM is not the only organisation doing this. We're not, um, nor would we claim to be. But uh, as we go through this year, it's going to become an extremely important issue to solve. And if there are ways that we can um, use uh, the, the way that TMCs ha have, um, have their arms around this from a security point of view to make it simpler for people i think we will we will certainly do that but it's it's starting to move in the right direction andy i'm, I'm trying to you know when you talk about this many people possibly including ours andy their eyes glaze over a little bit because it's so technical um and complicated but we're, we're starting to get there and uh, watch this space because we're going to keep uh, giving the updates and keep trying to simplify it for people wherever we can yeah, a short plug for businesstravelnewseurope.com. There's an article online at the moment trying to address some of those questions around SCA, which I think was based largely on um, an ITM webinar. So I will just give you um, a, a quick chance to plug your conference coming up. Any particular sessions you're looking forward to? That's kind of you, Andy. And uh, <laughs> you know, you know, we're big fans of what you guys are doing at BTN. It's been a really, uh, it's been a really tough year for everybody. But I think one of the most Rewarding things is the way that, you know, the industry pulled together and we, we, everyone's trying to support each other because we're trying to raise all the ships, aren't we, right now? So mm -hmm. kudos to you and the team and the work you're doing there. Um, the Revive Conference uh, is on the 27th and 28th of April. It is uh, available to all. Um, and we're, we're really excited about it. And it's a two-day programme. So many brilliant speakers that we're hearing from. Thank you very much for joining us. Wish you all the very best with the conference and uh, we'll continue to talk. Top man, thanks a lot, Andy.